When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Ninja Turtle Power Hour. I'm Spencer Toon. I'm Keith McGuffey. And I'm Mike Templeton. He's back. I am. Moved to a new turtle lair. It is primo. It's looking really good. Thank you. As far as we can tell. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> got, got pizza in the oven right now. Yeah, that's not, it's Perfect. not bad. Yeah. Nice. Peanut butter and anchovies, right? Of course. Actually, no. Hold the anchovies. It's peanut butter and bananas and jelly beans. There you go. There you go. That's a dessert pizza. It is. Oh, man. I used to make dessert pizzas a long time ago. It was uh, it's basically a s'more, but like, so it's the pizza. Um, peanut butter is the sauce. Marshmallows. You put that in the oven? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you bake it for a little while. Oh, yeah. Really? Bake, bake it like 10 minutes or whatever. They're so And good. so that was my, that was the dessert pizza I used to make like years ago. I don't know if you guys have them where you are, but at least here in Utah, there's this place called Pizza Pie Cafe that has like a bunch of dessert pizzas like that that are so good. My um, my wife and I, a couple of years ago for our anniversary, we went to this one place we like and they gave us a dessert pizza. It was basically like um, an ice cream pizza, but it was so good. <laughs> and it was like, it wasn't even on the menu. They're like, eh, like, we're just trying something. Oh, cool. See, I'm in I'm in pizza ranch country, which is <laughs> not a good place for pizza. But our dessert pizza is more like a like a cinnamon bread kind of thing. Okay, uh, like an icing swirl on it. So right. it's kind of good. It's interesting. Yeah, I, I'm in pineapples on your pizza country. Like that's that's pretty uh, popular in Utah. It's hey, know, it's fifty fifty, but I feel like it's more common here. I'm in California. I'm, married. I'm in California. That's a staple out here. It's normal there too. Okay, cool. It's just a West Coast thing, maybe. Then I don't know. I'm married to pineapple on pizza country. My wife always has pineapple on pizza. She loves Same. it. I love it too. I was re- I was uh, I was watching a TikTok. It was about the history of uh, of the Hawaiian pizza and how it's not from Hawaii. <laughs> yeah, and it's like it's and it's like wildly popular in Australia. Really? Huh. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting. The stuff I learned on TikTok. It's amazing. Yeah. I like just adding like a little bit of sausage with it, you know, not just okay. like the ham and pineapple, but putting some sausage on there. So we do the pineapple, ham, and then I like mushrooms on my pizza. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, mushrooms wouldn't really make a difference one way or another. To me, they don't have much flavor, so like it's it an extra texture. It wouldn't hurt. Thing. Yeah, it wouldn't hurt the it wouldn't hurt the uh, the the pineapples. Yeah, exactly. And, like, and it's, there's it's not, it's not a conflicting flavor, but it's but it's an extra texture that I like. Yeah, and there's also just something you convince yourself when you eat mushrooms that whatever you're eating is healthier than it was before. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. I'm getting those fungus a, vitamins. Uh, I don't think I, I can't remember if I've talked about it before, but we have a pastrami pizza out here. 
and it's, I think you have mentioned that it's a, basically a pastrami sandwich baked into a pizza. The mush, the mustard, pickles, cheese, uh, pastrami, all baked into the cheese. So I'd want to try that to say I tried it, but I don't know. That's sounds... you ever come out here to California? I'll take you, man. Like it it's sounds strange. so good. Now, have you guys ever actually had anchovies on your pizza? Yes. Yeah. Spencer? I. No, I have not actually. I don't think I have. Maybe I have, and I just forgot. But it was kind of like a rite of passage thing. Like I couldn't call myself a Ninja Turtle fan if I didn't try it once. <laughs> they're they're not bad. They're just so damn salty. They're so yeah, just so like, salty. Like I wretched. Yeah, it's like in like the rest of the pizza is okay, but like once you get the anchovy, like it's kind of weirdly spiny and salty. Mm-hmm. Uh, just eat around it though, because the flavor is pretty nice around it. It's just the actual fish is. Pretty See, so horrible. okay, so I had, I think I had like, it was like anchovy pieces because it wasn't actually fish on on the one I had. Okay. It was like huh. like the skin or whatever. Oh, gross. Yeah, it was. It was. <laughs> I just I remember because I'm, I would distinctly remember if it was a fish. Mm-hmm. But I've heard I've heard they're good with mushrooms. So if you get anchovy and mushroom pizza, it's supposed to be a lot better than just anchovies because the mushroom like sucks up some of the salt. All right, I'll have to try. I'll have to yeah. try that. Now that you mention, like, I think I have had a pizza that was had something on it that made it taste way, way extra salty. I don't think I was a fan, but that that might have been <laughs> Did it. You accidentally eat anchovies and not know it. <laughs> yeah. I think so. I think someone just gave me a pizza and I was just like, yeah, I'll eat whatever anyone gives me. It's free food. <laughs> yeah, hey. it's hard to turn down pizza. Yeah, even Especially if it's got free an pizza. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm weird about toppings because I like most everything except for black olives and green peppers. So people, so when people order a pizza, I'm like, oh, I'll oh, take anything. Okay. They'll be like, okay, let's get a supreme pizza. I'm like, no, but because that has green peppers and olives, but See, nobody gets those as their own topping. It's I don't, I don't like onions on my pizza. Really? Oh, really? Mm-hmm. So like, if I get a supreme, like I can do the peppers. I can do. I love black olives. Cannot mm-hmm. do onions on pizza. Okay. And then sometimes, sometimes there's um, artichokes on on supreme pizzas. At least one out here. There, uh, so their supreme is like sausage, peppers, onions, olives, um, and artichoke hearts. That sounds weird and slimy. It they bake it so it's it's not slimy, but it's like okay. um, it's interesting. It's an it's an interesting texture. Yeah, it does sound yeah. interesting. I'm willing to try anything the first time. There you yeah. go. Well, hey, uh, thanks for listening to the <laughs> Pizza Power Hour with uh, <laughs> Spencer and Mike. <laughs> it's Ninja Turtle related. Yeah, yeah. pizza. It, it's 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 related. It's baked into the, you know, the Ninja Turtle pizza. Yeah, yeah, I get <laughs> But speaking of, why don't we uh, get into this week's topics? What are we talking about this week? Yeah, this week we're covering episode seven, eight, and nine of season two. So that's Enter the Fly, Invasion of the Punk Rock Frogs. Right? That's the that one, that one's name I wrote it down. Invasion of the, the punk of the punk frogs. Not of punk the punk rock frogs, rock. not punk rock. Yeah. Just it's okay. Punk we frogs. all call them the punk rock frogs. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, what I was writing it? that one down from memory earlier because I realized I forgot to write it down. One of those things you get through osmosis, like pop culture osmosis. It's always the punk rock frogs, except in the actual show. Yeah, and nothing says punk rock more than like Jimmy Buffett Hawaiian shirts and and a mace. <laughs> yeah, and a mace and a, yeah. and a whip. Yeah. 
And then episode number nine, Splinter No More. So yeah, if you if you're into those episodes, I mean those are pretty uh important episodes. I feel like there's a lot of characters that people like that are introduced in those. And so I'm excited to talk about them. So why don't we tell a story? Let's do it. Perhaps I can best explain. The story of my young friends and I is really the story of a man named Hamato Yoshi. So Enter the Fly, Season 2, Episode 7 of the original series, debuted on November 12th, 1988. Our story begins as the Turtles are flying over New York in the blimp where they spot Shredder and Baxter on top of the World Trade Center doing some nefarious deed. Uh, the Turtles attack and Baxter messes up his machine and it explodes, but the, tur- uh, the Shredder and Baxter get away just in the nick of time. So the turtles head back to the lair to try and figure out what's going on uh, with Shredder. But Shredder calls Krang, uh, who tells him that the only place he can receive, uh, get reception for the transmitter is on a, uh, like a stinky garbage barge. Uh, <laughs> so the, uh, so back, uh, Krang then calls him and tells him that there's an ion storm that's messing with his uh, dimensional transporter. And so Shredder has to send something back in order to get Bebop and Rocksteady. So he just basically hucks Baxter into the dimensional uh, transporter and Bebop and Rocksteady come back out. Meanwhile, over at Channel 6, uh, April gets delivered a flower with a strange fragrance. Irma speculates that it's from the turtles and April's just like, this is stupid. but April winds up taking the, the flower to Shredder, to Splinter, to kind of ask the turtles, like, hey, did you guys accidentally send this to me? Where Splinter immediately recognizes the plant as the mysterious Doku planet and tries to throw it in the trash. Uh, he lets her know that if you inhale it, it's poisonous. And of course, that was the first thing that April did. And so now she's uh, passed out. The turtles come back home to see uh, Splinter taking care of April, who tells her that like if she doesn't get the antidote, she's going to die. And of course, the only antidote is made from a very rare plant called the Gazai plant, uh, which just happens to be available in the greenhouse upstate in New York. So the, uh, the turtles take the blimp to go, uh, to go find this uh, plant. Meanwhile, back in Dimension X, Krang just is kind of like, I don't like humans in my technodrome, so I'm going to throw you in the disintegrator. <laughs> and so as Baxter is led away to his impending doom, a fly from the garbage barge just happened to have come with them through the transporter into the uh, annihilator disintegrator that Krang is about to throw him into, and it mutates him in a pretty horrific fashion. Uh, so we finally get Fly Baxter who pretty much everybody remembers from the show. Uh, so Fly Black Baxter decides that he's going to, you know, seek revenge on everybody who uh, caused his life to basically turn out this way. So now he's a mutant fly. But when he gets back to New York, he runs into Shredder, who immediately kind of gaslights him and is like, uh, you know, hey, I was on your side. It was the turtles who turned you into a fly. And Baxter just seemingly thinks, okay, yeah, that's the truth. So, uh, so Baxter kind of uh, goes and attacks the turtles as they try to get the Gazai uh, plant flower or to go uh, save April. Uh, they fight back and forth. And then uh, towards the end, uh, Splinter uh, races in 
and uh, saves the day because the turtles are kind of are kind of in a bit of trouble. At the end of the episode, April is healed because the turtles were able to get the gazai plant back, and Michelangelo winds up using the leftover leaves to as a topping for his pizza. Great episode. You know, I thoroughly enjoyed it, to be honest. Yeah. All right. So next up, we have season two, episode eight, Invasion of the Punk Frogs. This came out in November 19th of 1988, written by Michael Reeves, and it introduces the punk frogs. Genghis, who wields an axe, Napoleon, who has the whip, Rasputin with a bow and arrow, and Attila with a morning star. Remember, it's Rasputin the Mad Frog. Rasputin the Mad Frog, yes. And they're all named after... Bonafrog. <laughs> they're all named after Shredder's heroes, uh, old warlords. <laughs> the other all right. Just, don't they just have Frog for their last name? It's just Genghis Frog. And it's Attila the Frog. Attila the Frog. Genghis Frog. Genghis Frog. Yeah. Napoleon Bonafrog. The Mad Frog. Super creative. Yeah. All right. So in this episode, Shredder is begging Krang to send him more mutagen to create an army of mutants to destroy the turtles. Krang sends him some mutagen, but due to a lightning storm in Dimension X, the mutagen winds up in the Florida Everglades. Four frogs come into contact with the mutagen and turn into the punk frogs. Now Shredder instructs Bebop and Rocksteady to distract the turtles by tearing up Times Square while he goes to Florida to get the mutagen and subsequently recruit the punk frogs to join his side. Uh, Shredder uses a tele, uh, holographic projector to change into street clothes for this mission, and then he also uses a holographic projector to get the punk frogs clothes. I don't really know why he couldn't have just changed his clothes or given the frogs clothes, but that's eh, a cartoon. Uh, back in New York, the punk frogs are putting their skills to the test by robbing banks. People are mistaking the punk frogs for the Ninja Turtles, prompting the city to set up an anti-turtle task force. Shredder wants even more mutagen to make more mutants, so he asks Krang for some more mutagen, but Krang has run out. Uh, Krang is able to give Shredder the recipe to make more mutagen, though. The punk frogs rob a chemical supply company to get the ingredients for the mutagen and run into the turtles. The punk frog gets... The punk frogs get away, but Don knows they still need one last chemical, niotrinoline. Both April and Krang somehow know where a shipment of niotrinoline is being delivered, so both the turtles and punk frogs go there. At the warehouse where the chemical is being delivered, the turtles and punk frogs run across a tank with a freeze cannon piloted by the anti-turtle task force. The tank freezes the punk frogs. Raphael is able to throw his sigh at the, the barrel of the freeze cannon before it freezes the turtles. Uh, it shoots up at the building, covers it in ice, and the ice sheet falls off and lands on the tank, which gives the turtles enough time to escape with the frozen punk frogs. Back in the sewer layer, excuse me, back in the sewer layer, the turtles thaw out the punk frogs and convince them Shredder is manipulating them to do evil things. The two groups come up with a plan to convince Shredder that the turtles have hidden the niatrinaline in the abandoned Stonewall prison. The turtles ambush Shredder while he's looking for the niatrinaline, and the anti-turtle task force arrives to the prison by helicopter. Shredder uses his holographic projector again to make disguises for himself, Bebop, and Rocksteady that look like the anti-turtle task force uniforms and escape. Now, the anti-turtle task force uh, chase the turtles and the punk frogs, but they're able to escape through the sewers through a hole that Rasputin blasts in the floor with an explosive arrow. Uh, the turtles give the frogs directions to get back to Florida through the, the American sewer system and offer them pizza as they leave. 
Uh, turns out the punk frogs hate pizza, but they still leave on good terms. The end. It was American Super. It was the railroad. Oh, it was the railroad. What is it? Ah, the underground road. Ah, yeah. Good catch, Mike. I didn't know there was an underground railroad that went all the way from New York to, to Florida. Yeah, it was for uh, is for the slaves running north. Oh, that underground railroad. That's what they're yeah, talking about. That oh, yeah, that underground railroad. Yeah. I thought that was just like a path that, I don't know, I guess maybe I didn't learn enough about it. I thought it was like a path that you could take. And it was just like, there's people along this route that'll shelter you. I think that was part of it, but I think part of yeah. it was actual tunnels too. I, I don't know that it went all the way to New York, New York necessarily. Yeah, but I, yeah. I, I, I mean, I think they're playing with it, but like yeah. specifically, he, I think that's what he's referencing. Yeah. Okay. All right, then. Episode nine is the one I'm going to be talking about, Splinter No More, written by Michael Reeves and Bryn Stevens. Not Stephens, but Stevens. So the Turtles notice that Splinter is going through a bout of depression, and they want to find a way to make him uh, human again because they feel like that's what's probably got him down. John Tello thinks he can use what remains of the ooze to do it because they've still got a little bit of something left in the canister. Uh, he's successful in his attempts, and he actually is able to turn Splinter back into a human. So then Yoshi goes topside for a walk. And meanwhile, April is covering a story at the library, and she spots Bebop and Rocksteady, so she lets the turtles know. They're able to, to get in and, and try to stop whatever Shredder must be doing there. What Shredder is doing there is he's reading a book and finding info in the library about a secret temple that will allow him like underground temple area thing that will allow him to be able to travel to other dimensions with a spell. The turtles show up, but Shredder's one step ahead. He escapes while Bebop and Rocksteady stay and fight them just for a second. And then they also run away. Uh, Don finds a clue on where the shredder is from the book, some of the pages he left behind. And so they follow it uh, or they, you know, they go to, to follow this lead. During all of this, Splinter uh, realizes that the effects are only temporary and they are wearing off. And so he now is running back to get back into the sewers to get to the lair and hide. But things go wrong. He's seen by people and he has a whole giant mob of people chasing after him. The turtles, uh, meanwhile, are getting April because she apparently has knowledge on subway tunnels to be able to help them find where the secret temple is because you can access it through the subway tunnels. Splinter gets a neuro scrambler from Krang while this is happening because he figures the turtles are following him and he sets it up as a trap. And this neuro scrambler, scrambler makes it so that the turtles end up fighting one another and seeing each other as their enemies. So they all sitting there and fighting one another. And while their big bout is going on, Splinter is being chased around the city into the subway uh, continuously by uh, these cops until he finally loses them. April is able to get the turtles to stop fighting each other and then finds and destroys the scrambler. Shredder reaches the place where he's got to cast the spell He's working on it, but then the turtles catch up, but are defeated and left unconscious. Splinter in the subway tunnels after he's lost these police officers that have been after him, smells some, some, something burning, some incense. And so he follows it 
to find the Shredder. And he stops him in the middle of his spell, which causes him to cast it wrong, which opens up the portal to a different dimension. And a monster comes out and starts attacking everyone. Everyone is able to escape it. Shredder and company flee while Team Turtles stay to defeat it. But in the fight, the monster destroys the structural integrity of all the tunnels and they collapse on it. And the turtles are able to barely escape with April and Splinter. And that more or less ends the story. We can now probably revisit all this in the second time around. Hey, nice junk. Something on this first episode that I realized on number seven is like how much of a landmark the Twin Towers actually were. Because uh, I don't have memories of 9-11. I'm that young. Oh, God. Yeah, wow. I, f- I feel so so unfathomably old <laughs> I, know, I, know. Like I, just, I mean i was i, I was crumbled, i just it. crumbled into like thanos dust right there yeah. <laughs> Man. i was alive uh, for it but i was only like four you, years you old. know but it but like i guess i guess for like keith and i it, it is kind of weird because like growing up the twin towers were in so many cartoons mm-hmm. like so and but it's and it's been so long since we've seen them in cartoons that like kind of revisiting this it was kind of like oh yeah like it's been a while since i've seen those yeah you think like that episode of the simpsons where they go to new york is exactly uh, the one i was thinking yeah but also like if you watch uh uh ghostbusters not the real ghostbusters but the one with the monkey that Mm -hmm. cartoon yeah Yeah. their base is like in the middle between the two twin towers in that in that series yeah like it was a huge landmark in a bunch of cartoons. But yeah, it's weird because we just haven't seen it in so long. And when I see it, I'm like, oh, crap, that was a thing, wasn't it? You yeah, know? and like especially like in seeing it in old cartoons, it's like, oh, yeah, like it was everywhere. Like it was yeah. a, it was a thing. Even like the first movie, the, the first shot is the New York it, skyline. Yeah, every, like time, a... every time that happens, I'm like, oh, yeah, the, mm-hmm. it's been so long since I haven't seen those like be there yeah that one like oliver and company like mm-hmm. that opening shot of the city like they yeah. really liked them. i mean obviously because like you know that was a huge symbol of new york yeah it's like it's like the empire state building and and all that mm-hmm. other stuff it's it's one of the landmarks yeah so yeah it's, it's something that kind of dawned on me i was like wow like that was just something that was there and the people yeah. talked about and it was just normal yeah yeah i did have all this weird Stigma might not be the right word, but uh, it might be the right word about the, it. the heavy oh, emotions, I guess. Attached. Yeah, yeah. Heavy, heavy, heavy history. It. it just it, yeah, it, hit, it hits different seeing yeah. it again. Um, for me, like the, revisiting all these episodes, I, I, so like I was telling you guys earlier, like I don't, I, I barely remember Enter the Fly beyond Baxter, like tra- his transformation, which is horrific. Yeah, like. It, it holds on that shot of him as like electrifying as a, as a skeleton for a long time. <laughs> um, but I feel like these are kind of like, these are the strongest episodes since the first season so far. Mm-hmm. Like all three of these, I really like them. Um, Evasion of the Punk Frogs. I have that VHS and I see watch the hell out of that. <laughs> um and yeah, like I, I viv, like visceral memories of Invasion of the Punk Frogs. Um, like Captain Hoffman, um, like just his voice in 
like he's played by Jim Cummings, who's like everything. You know, now he's Winnie the Pooh, Tigger. Um, but like hearing hearing that like specific army Jim Cummings voice was like, oh yeah. Um, <laughs> and then like when I was younger, I remember being like, I remember like just being super fascinated by Rasputin's. Um, like that flashbang arrow he shoots and just the effect for it looked really cool. Hmm. Um, it's, it, I don't know. It just, it's felt really unique and it's very, um, it's not something, it's not the kind of effect you usually see in American cartoons. Um, it, it looks more anime esque. Are you talking when me, he shoots the floor? No, when he shoot, when he shoots the flashbang in the air. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it's like that. It's like that yellow flash. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's like a very anime uh, effect, which is just it, it it it's tonally different than the animation going on there. I don't know. I've watched a lot of cartoons that I, <laughs> it just it's, it sticks out to me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, something that stuck out to me in Enter the Fly is there's I've, I've mentioned this before. There was a part where. Raph grunted like April in a past episode mm-hmm. and he does it again in this episode uh, <laughs> like right after he's being shot at by Fly Baxter mm-hmm. and then later Donatello does it too I kind of wonder if they don't just have like a laser sound effect that also has April grunting after it and they so just I put think, that in <laughs> I think what they did um, so in voice acting when you do like <clears throat> like when you do those they're called efforts mm-hmm. um, I think they had like a bank of efforts and they just didn't label them correctly. And so when they would fill them in, <laughs> they just kind of hit a button and whatever effort came out, that's what they, that's what I, they picked. I can see I that happening it. to me editing the podcast. I believe that. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. You're speaking from experience. Yeah. It's why I don't put the milk next to the bleach. <laughs> yeah. Another thing that like, I don't know if it's always been there, but I for sure noticed that this episode, Mm. Rocksteady has like a wooden sword on his back. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, what's so up with that? My wife, my wife said the same thing. My wife said the same thing. She's like, "What's with the wooden sword?" Um, I think I think it's just a miscoloring of the of the sheath for his sword, for his knife. Oh, on the, on the NECA figure, it's it's brown, huh. but it's not wooden. I think they just. I think I don't. I I don't know. I can't explain it, but. It, I think they were going for like a leather texture and for some reason it looks like wood. Or maybe I, it was to like safe it, you know, like kitty kitty proof the, the episode. I, that, could the yeah. that could be it too. That could be I swear there's an episode where he uses it and it's brown when he uses it. Apparently right. he has never brought it out. Oh, okay. All right. From, I must from be what I, from what I've seen. We're going through all the episodes, so we'll we'll get there eventually yeah. and find out if that's true. <laughs> but my but, theory has always been that it's like uh, you know, like the action figures, all their weapons are brown. And so yeah. maybe they just like brought that over to Rocksteady and his sword is brown for whatever reason <laughs> because of it. But well you can't pull out you can't pull it out on the figure either. So yeah. Um, so yeah. Yeah, it was just something I noticed, and I was like, "Why does he have a wooden sword? What's what's the story? Yeah. Is there is there a story behind that? Is it just because he's stupid? You know, like well, he's he's got a wooden sword, and then Bebop's got that flesh colored ponytail. Like they both have something weird going and, on and so behind that, him. Um, oh, what was it? I think it was in in Enter the Fly. It's purple. In Punk Frogs and Splinter No More, it's the tan. 
uh, ponytail. Yeah, little A team, B team. So this is this is, this is right when we this is right when we see that that shift. Yeah. Uh, Invasion of the Punk Frogs. Uh, man, that that freaking holographic projector. Use it three God, different times. God, that cracked me up because <laughs> you're right. Like, why doesn't he just take his armor off? Right, especially for a guy who like the way he communicates with the world is taking over every airwave in mm-hmm. New York. And showing his metal-covered face, mm-hmm. just take the metal off, man. Yeah, it's Look. like it, it, it's it. It's almost like the opposite of the of the of like the holographic projector that they use in X Men for like you know Nightcrawler, yeah. um, so that he has a normal appearance. It's just so funny seeing Shredder use it, and then like I love the outfit he picks that pink sweater <laughs> or that that pink uh, suit jacket with the like they're like red chinos. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, perfect Florida. Yeah. Perfect for Florida. I had a machine that it's just a very like, Miami Vice outfit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if I had a machine that could just instantly change my clothes, like I would take advantage of that. You don't have to it bother. Just, it just like, seems like changed. it's more effort than to just take the helmet off. Well, and here's the thing, too. He uses it three different times. The mm-hmm. first time he uses it, it's like a disc with buttons. The second time, it's like an eight track with some dials and stuff. And the third time, it's a crystal ball. That he used oh, that's right. It changed, yeah, it changed like yeah. three times. Yeah. Um, it's like he got the turnstone from TMNT Adventures while he was down in Florida or something, and used that. <laughs> but, okay, and then so and so another thing is like, does how long does it last? Because the punk frog, like he makes the punk frogs clothes with it, and they wear those clothes throughout the rest of the episode, even when they're not with Shredder anymore. Yeah, who knows? Like, did they mean like? Like his crappy thing. robe is also uh, a hologram, maybe. It's exactly, <laughs> like he puts that over his armor. Yeah, <laughs> but he won't just change outfits. <laughs> yeah, I know it's it's ridiculous. It, it's such a weird thing to set up in this episode. So like like you said, they use it three times, and the third time they use it um, to make themselves look like the the anti turtle gang or the anti turtle uh, force, and it's. I feel like they could have just done that third one and not have like us asking questions about why shredder used it yeah, on right and then why he used it on the on the frogs yeah I mean, now the frogs a... just maybe have permanent clothes that they have to wear forever and, well that's the thing yeah it's like how long does it last because like they're walking back to florida is it gonna just like mm-hmm. expire as they're walking and then it's like <laughs> and just the it cracks me up. Like I was looking, I was looking up for screenshots of of this episode, and it's there's the one screenshot of like all the frogs, like before they get their clothes. They're all it's just these super buff frog men, yeah. are, like super naked. Yeah, that's like um, the on the DVD. The episode mm-hmm. select is that picture. Yeah, oh, picture. I'm gonna like, like this one. It's, <laughs> it's I just this this funny. This episode is just so funny. Yeah, like, everything about it is a lot of fun like leo gets so offended that people mistake the frogs for the turtles yeah i man how do, how could you mistake them one's got a shell one doesn't yeah. like they're wearing clothes yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah but like, they they also frequently call it happens in this episode crank straight up calls the turtles yeah he calls them amphibians. amphibians oh true yeah, yeah. Um, apparently no one knows the difference i think um it really and we've talked about it before like how much 
how much do the citizens of New York know about the turtles? Like, because now we have an anti-turtle force. Right. Like, well, that's not, like, that's not, not a thing to mobilize, <laughs> like, or the anti-turtle squad. Like, they have this, uniforms, they have gear. Is it this episode or the next one where uh, Irma asks April if she's talking to the turtles and April acts like she's crazy? Like, talk uh, to the turtles. What are you talking about? Was this, I think it was Splinter No More. Splinter No More. Maybe. Yeah, it might have been that one. But yeah, I, I we've talked about it before. Like, do people know the turtles exist? And the answer is like yes, but also no, depending yeah. on who's writing it. Maybe. And sometimes who's writing it is Michael. What was his name? Michael. Michael Reeves. Reeves. Yeah. <laughs> I think we need to keep a list of like how many times Michael Reeves yeah. messes with this. <laughs> but also the anti turtle squad. Like this is the only time they ever show up. Oh yeah. And like, that was, we're getting to anchovies, but like this whole episode could work without the anti turtle squad. Yeah. yeah. Did they turn right, we'll, save, we'll save that. Um, Splinter, Splinter No More. Um, I vaguely remember this episode. Um, so watching it again, like, was kind of nice. I feel like they dived into Splinter being depressed too quickly. Oh, yeah. Like, it's like the first line. Yeah, like it, it. It. I mean, granted, like they only have twenty-two minutes to get from A to B, but I. I, I think I mean, like overall, like we're the ninth episode in the season two, um, and there were only five episodes in season one. Like, so this is episode fourteen, and they're already kind of dealing with Splinter's like depression, and like it's a weird character arc to kind of just come out of nowhere, especially because Splinter hasn't done anything really. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I mean, that's. I was it, gonna it, get. I do actually really like it because I love it when they humanize Splinter. But yeah, it, yeah. And I, I was gonna it, get to that, and I love being a turtle because that is what I liked about yeah. this. Episode. Yeah, I mean, no, I, I mean, I, I liked it. I just felt it just felt weird and kind of out of nowhere. Yeah, it's I mean, definitely like the setup for this episode, and not like something that has happened progressively up to this episode exactly like it's not an arc that was built up to it was just kind of like oh splinter's depressed all of a sudden yeah but i feel like that's like you know 99 percent of this show <laughs> yeah like this, this show is, this yeah, show is yeah. very the show is very monster of the week yeah very of, episodic kind of uh but i did uh, i liked it mm-hmm. something Ooh. that uh i got vibes for in uh this episode the splinter no more is the portal opening up in a very specific spot that lets monsters through reminds me very much of the 2007 movie in that concept uh, of yeah, like having a, a portal in a specific spot you know that allows monsters to come through and they need to try and get the monster back into the portal it's very yeah i wonder if it kind of inspired some of the concepts in the 2007 movie i don't know maybe it might have either way it made me think of it do you think it also inspired the Avengers movie? Probably, 100%. <laughs> there you go. The Avengers was inspired by this episode of Ninja Turtles. <laughs> you, you heard it here. You heard it here first and mm-hmm. only here. Joss Whedon. <laughs> Joss Whedon is... I, I've said he's stolen stuff before. I wouldn't surprise me that he stole this. I bet. I'm, I'm putting money down right now that season four of Ninja Turtles is basically like season five of Buffy. <laughs> Like just yes. shot for shot. Yeah. <laughs> All, right. All right. We're going to keep track of that. 
Uh, the only other thing I had for Splinter No More is that uh, Donatello has the sample of mutagen that that changed them into human or like Ninja Turtles, right? Mm-hmm. It's green, but the ooze that changed them was purple. So okay, so I I bugged I, me. I thought about that too. I think it's because like Donatello's version is all dried up, mm-hmm. and it looks mm-hmm. like it looks like like melted plastic. Whereas like the original mutagen was that kind of pinky color. See, I was just assuming that was really poorly animated. So. See, I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I like I'm making an excuse yeah. for it, but like the way I saw it is just kind of like because it wasn't even glowing. Yeah, so it looked to me too. I, I it just looked like it was like dried up, and then he was just basically adding water to make it. Yeah, you know, to make it again. It could be. But also, but also we know Donatello knows the chemical components to make mutagen from the last episode. So he literally could have just made more. Right. This is what happens when you have a whole staff of different writers like Michael Reeves and Michael Yeah, did Reeves. Michael Reeves write this episode? He did. <laughs> Michael Reeves, come on, man. Is he on Twitter? Let's get him on this show. I know. Like I'm going to I'm going <laughs> to add Michael Reeves here. Let's interrogate him. Like, what's yeah, up, man? Right? What's up? Could you not did you not care about continuity errors? Michael yeah. Reeves, if you're listening to this episode, we'd love to have you on and ask you questions <laughs> yeah, about what you were doing. <laughs> All right, I think that's it for me. Yeah, same. Let's talk about the uh, things we don't like then. No anchovies. You put anchovies on this thing and you're in big trouble, okay? I call it low. So, Fly Stockman. <laughs> You don't like him? You don't like Fly Stockman? It's an improvement on the character for this series, sure. But I don't know. Just like everything else that's been done with him that isn't the fly, I feel like he's just a better character when he's not just relegated to another mutant of the week, you know? When he doesn't just become that. Because in other ones, he becomes like a brain inside of a robot or... Mm. You know, or even just a super... Brain inside of a fly. I mean, or just like a super cunning, like you know science evil scientist and i feel like this has had such a big impact that people just always want him to be a fly now and to me it's just not the height of the character that way he can reach and he kind of just ends up becoming this uh pathetic fly guy that you know blood shredder gaslight him and and just goes haywire yeah. you know? i like i like how like 2012 splits the difference on that and he's uh he's he's the fly mutant but also he's still kind of the brains and like kind of the the scientist that we that we know he is um i think that's a good balance but yeah like you're right like what i don't like about the fly is i don't like the buzzy me. oh yeah that's like, awful it's it grates on you yeah, and I don't know, like, even in the 2012 series, he does the whole, like, following Shredder around and calling him Master. It just... Well, I mean, but it's, but, I mean, it's established there that, like, Shredder, like, beats the hell out of him, you know, a yeah. lot. And yeah. so, yes, and so he's kind of, he's kind of subservient to him. Yeah, I don't know. It's also kind of nice because, like, he turns into a fly and then we don't see him every week. <laughs> like... Yeah, that's part of my issue with Baxter the Stockman is I don't like him in the first place, and then I have to see him every week. Here he gets turned to a fly, he gets sent a second into the future out of phase, so I don't have to see him every week. So mm-hmm. it's just a little icing on the on the Baxter cake. Fair enough. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm just not into the fly thing. I feel like it's had too big of an impact on the character personally. I kind of like it when we have a variety of villains for the turtles that aren't just another mutant and another mutant. And Baxter Stockman can be that. And he usually is that you know, right. with, with a few exceptions. So I do think it's weird. The IDW series when he makes the fly Borgs. See, I really liked that. They're really cool. But like the only reason he made those is as a reference to this. Like yeah, he was, good, he was yeah. not a, a mm-hmm. biogenesist or anything. He wasn't working with flies prior to that. So, well, I mean, all just a reference to this. I mean, the Stockman, the, the thing, the, I can't remember what the name of his first of his first company was that he's introduced under, but that was a genetics thing. That's the word. Stock, stock ex- yeah. Stock gen. They were experimenting on the turtles and splinter there. True. So he, and then when he creates I think I'm the mixing up my mirage, I'm mixing up my mirage and my, uh, <laughs> my IDW there. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then I mean, it is weird that he, I guess as a scientist in so many different ways, he's also great at mechanical engineering, but at the same time, he's also into biogenetics well, you know, I mean, like that's like pretty... it's like Donatello, like yeah, you know, Donatello is a master of all sciences, apparently mm-hmm. robotics, you know, chem- chemistry. Yeah, it's just that '80s thing of just like they're a scientist. Yeah, like they're yeah. a science, they're a science nerd, which means they know all science. Yeah, it's just they're a scientist, and that's just where it ends. Like <laughs> that means that you are fluent in all science. There's no such thing as specialists. Yeah. Uh, speaking of characters with amazing skills, why is Shredder so great at gaslighting people? <laughs> he he just—he's more effective at that than he is actual like villaining. Oh yeah, uh, he totally tricks Baxter. Like thirty seconds after he pushed him through a portal mm-hmm. to ditch him, he's like, "Oh, uh, I'm the good guy." Like how? It was the turtles that yeah. that did this to you. Yeah, to the punk frogs too. The next episode, like, mm-hmm. why is he so good at it? Why does anyone trust a guy who runs around broad daylight in bladed armor? It's ridiculous. Well, remember, he wasn't wearing the bladed armor when he met them. Uh, okay, fair enough. <laughs> and also, frogs. speak for yourself. He did change man, it, right? it later, but some of my best friends wear bladed armor. Right? <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, those aren't your friends. <laughs> Probably not. Now that I think about it. Yeah. I was going to say, like, Enter the Fly so far to me feels the most like a 30 minute commercial. Mm-hmm. We get like, we get the new Baxter toy, we get the knucklehead, we get the turtle parachute packs, yep. and like the, the turtle task force. Or no, that's the next episode. But like, there, there's a lot of stuff they introduce in Enter the Fly that just feels like trying to get kids to buy toys. Yeah. Like, like the, well, the knucklehead was one of the first wave of toys. Mm. Uh, so it, it was kind of like, hey, like we make a toy of this, stick it in the show kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. This episode to me was probably the weakest. It wasn't my favorite. Uh, like, I just, you know, like, I don't know why Treader decides he wants to kill April. Like, he says, we need to strike at the turtles where they're weakest. Mm-hmm. So then he sends us well, to April. April's the weakest. I mean, yeah, but I don't know. It just feels like there was no real end game. It's just like, oh, kill her i guess well i mean that's that's a lot of shredder's plans is there's no real end game beyond yeah. bugging the turtles for a second he's, um, he's living a weird sisyphusian life where like, yeah but instead of pushing the boulder he's just like sending deadly things to april in hopes that it flushes out the turtles yeah. um yeah it's yeah 
there's there's like you said there's there's also kind of a lot of stuff that like we kind of see in this episode um like i feel like this is the real start of leonardo's kind of can't be like i've got an idea guys like Mm -hmm. i feel like i'd like it happened a couple times before but i feel like it's really ramping up now Mm-hmm. oh yeah i um, definitely noticed like cam clark using that cartoony voice yeah more. like like he like cam cam clark is in on the joke now um another thing i didn't like was so, like the so the the dimension transporter was messed up so shredder had to send something back in order to get something mm-hmm. so one baxter is worth a bebop and a rock steady one baxter and a fly one ba- okay. Uh, okay. All right. <laughs> Two things there. That's not an equivalent exchange. No, though. Yeah. And then like 20 minutes later, uh, Baxter goes through no problem. Yeah. 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 I mean, there's that. And like, why does Shredder need me up in Roxy? Like he says he wants muscle over brains, but then he ends up having this plan that is just to send a flower to April and kill her with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, then he well, does a is... brain plan. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, it just... I don't know. It, to me, it was the weakest one. You know, it wasn't awful, but it wasn't my favorite either. You know, you got Crane calling the turtles amphibians in this one, spreading misinformation to children <laughs> everywhere. Splinter says Amphibious. he doesn't. Splinter says he doesn't believe in violence, but yet he teaches his son martial arts. Like, well, and he doesn't believe in violence, and he's the one who comes roaring through the junkyard, guns ablazing. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about let's talk about how he nails those shots though too. Like oh yeah, he's shooting with the cannons on the on the party wagon to two like hand sized objects. Like, and he doesn't know how to drive. Remember? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like they made they made a point to like point that out, and he's like, well, he's like, you'd be surprised at the stuff that you, know, you have to force yourself to learn. That's what being a ninja master will do. Yeah. Yeah, anyway, amazing. Sometimes... I can't even I can't even hit the toilet bowl half the time. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I don't know. It was one of those ones where I was kind of like, ah. but you know, it's fun. It was a fun episode. Not a lot of uh, fun stuff going on. Yeah, uh, invasion of the punk frogs. Then, I man, the fact that like everyone knew where that niatrinoline was going just bugged the heck out of me. <laughs> like. Yeah. How did April figure it out? How did Krang know about it? Well, like April had like access to like that. There, she had access to like the the driving logs. Yeah, but like she just pulls it up on her new on her news computer. But why? Like, yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. Why? That's not that's yeah, not something strange. that like someone at you know a news channel would should have access to because that's that's a lot of highly classified information i mean look if you're a reporter you just you know everything obviously like you know where all the subway tunnels go you know where you know everything it's funny because like we see that other reporter um doing more reporting than we actually see april do reporting (laughs) like the the other guy not vernon but like the other like the anchor guy in the blue suit yeah, with the blonde hair. That yeah, guy. we we see him do more actual like news reporting than we actually see April do. True. You're not wrong. There's that whole part when like Bebop and Rocksteady are sent to distract them, and then they run off, and the turtles go to run after them, and they seem to like trip over nothing. 
Yeah. Like, like there's a pole there and like one of them trips over, but then the other one's just like kind of like all fall over, over like nothing. Yeah. Maybe step well, on th- broken glass. I think it's a parking meter that, that falls yeah, over. Yeah, it was a parking the coins, meter. The coins come out and they slip on the coins. The thing is that coins are not marbles and you can just walk over coins. So it still doesn't make any sense. They're supposed to be like trained ninjas. And they're just <laughs> like, like whoop, like as they're running. <laughs> Anyway, it was one of those things where I was kind of like, "Really? Is that how they're? That's what they're? That's how they're gonna take him out? Like that's how they're yeah. gonna make him lose beyond having actually? They couldn't like throw something behind them that hits them at least or something, you know? It was just them like running and just tripping over <laughs> coins. Yeah. Um, another thing I noticed. Uh, so April's computer is already kind of weird that it has access to all this information. Mm-hmm. Um, it also only has eighteen keys on the keyboard. <laughs> really i looked at like it like a stenographer's like, keyboard yeah yeah like there's yeah there's a lot of shorthand going on <laughs> also the fact that the frogs are trained after just hours of being recruited by and then shredder personally shredder. trained them remember he personally trained oh, them. personally trained them. <laughs> the, the timeline of this episode is ridiculous because shredder's like all right you two go distract the turtles in in times square and in the like minute and a half it takes them to do that Shredder goes all the way to Florida, <laughs> finds the punk frogs, gaslights them into joining him, then comes all the way back in time to tell Bebop and Rocksteady, okay, I'm done. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's I but I you know what I I did really like having Bebop and Rocksteady just kind of go to town and the turtles have to go attack them. Like something about that just that felt good. Yeah. yeah. Like that felt exciting. It feels like mm-hmm. like that token Razor in uh, Secret of the Use when they just mm-hmm. go ham hock on the on the street. It's just cool to see two monsters heroes go beat them up. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I'd agree with that. All right, Splinter No More. What didn't we like about this? Uh there's an ancient temple in the subway tunnels. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So I, I, okay. Hang Sorry. on. Hang on. No, 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 no. That's fine. Uh, so I like it. I like I like that a lot, specifically because it's very Ghostbusters-esque. Specifically, if you've played uh, Ghostbusters, the video game uh, that came out a couple of years ago, uh, that that's kind of a thing that because there was a lot of like cults and stuff, and it's kind of HP Lovecrafty, um, where they were trying to summon these kind of monsters and stuff. And so, like, the Ghostbusters, the video game builds in, like, that whole, like, underground temple thing in New York. Um, so I got big vibes from that. I I know Ghostbusters, the video game, is not inspired by this specific episode, but it was just kind of a neat, kind of a neat thing um, that I just didn't, I don't think they got to do enough of in this episode, like, to build that story out a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah, like you mentioned earlier, they only have 22 minutes to get from A to B. Yeah. But, like... It feels like 15 minutes of this episode is Shredder gets a mind control device, plants it in the subway, and the turtles fight each other. Like, there's a yeah. huge amount of time taken up by that, and not enough Splinter getting depression, H.P. Lovecraft story. Like, there's this weird void in the middle of it that could just be cut entirely. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But, you know, they had to they had to give that to the kids that all want to know which turtle would win in a fight if they all fought, you know? Yeah. The answer is friendship. The answer is friendship wins. <laughs> Through the power of friendship, we will overcome the scrambler. 
that was all I really had for anchovies. Yeah, like same. Like overall, like I said at the top, like I thoroughly enjoyed these three episodes. Like other than nitpicking little things, mm-hmm. these, these were probably my three favorite episodes of season two so far. Yeah. yeah. No, they've definitely Just, been real solid. They're fun. Yeah, like overall, like they're fun. That's yeah. All right. So we've we've nitpicked all the bad stuff. Do we want to nitpick all the good stuff now? Oh yeah. I love being a turtle. So I really liked the quote in uh, the fly one where like Donatello says, some villains have no respect for architecture or something to that extent for <laughs> like, I, I didn't get the exact quote, but it made me laugh. <laughs> it's like some villains have no respect for, for historic architecture or something like that. You know, they, they can't fight yeah, Shredder in was. a certain part of town because they got to protect the nice buildings. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that was ridiculous. Yeah, everywhere else is fine, but not that part of town. You got to protect the, the historic value of the of the buildings. Yeah, the good guys don't want to, you know, it's, they don't want to be all like Incredible Hulk, where they, you know, they save the city, but at what cost to the city? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Man of Steel. It. Um, I'm sure that he's done this before, but I noticed in Enter the Fly that Raph is using that Wolverine grip with his sigh. You know, like they're I coming through the, the first, fingers. This is the first time I noticed that actually. Yeah, like, in this show. And I remember, like the first time I thought I saw that, like ten years ago, I was like, "Oh, that's the coolest thing ever! I wish he mm-hmm. did that more." And now I'm watching these old episodes and noticing that he actually did it way back then. I was just it's, a stupid little it's child. Been, it's been there the whole time, yeah, right? <laughs> Yeah, I love that. And man, Enter the Fly when when Splinter comes through with that uh, the turtle van just starts blasting guys. I jumped up and cheered. It was amazing. I loved it. Just shooting lasers out of the out of. The, I mean, have, have they actually used the lasers? I was gonna say before? I think it's the first time we've seen the actual lasers hmm. like firing. Because like you see the the can the guns on the top, but I think it might be the first time you see them actually fire those lasers. You might be right. I actually, so I used to play this game called Heroclix. I don't know if you guys are from. I remember Heroclix. Yeah, but you would get like superheroes with bases that had stats and they would fight, but mm-hmm. they also made vehicles and they made the turtle van. And it specifically said it had a power called like totally useless turrets on the roof or something. Huh. But this proves that they did actually use the turrets. Was actually... Sorry, I'm looking it up now. I didn't know there was a Heroclix turtle van. Yeah, I think it was uh, maybe a Comic-Con exclusive or something. That looks pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, it is still in stock right now. Really? On the the WizKids website. (laughs) Really? I might have to buy myself one of those. Yeah, buy two and send one my way. That sounds good. (laughs) Save on shipping. (laughs) That's not how shipping works, but okay. (laughs) Ship it to California and ship it off to Nebraska. Yeah. Oh, got it, got it. You got it. Yeah, you know the you know them turning turning Stockman into a fly. Like it is a big improvement on the character for the show. It made him more interesting for sure. It's it's more it's an improvement because he was already so hateful. Yeah. Like, so he had nowhere to go but up. (laughs) Yeah, true. (laughs) But he but he is genuinely more interesting as a as a fly i i mean like definitely in the context of this show in my opinion he's more interesting when he becomes a fly yeah and he also is a much better action figure than than like some just like geek in a lab coat 
Speaking so. of, my NECA Baxter and Splinter, I have to go pick it up. It finally got it finally came in. Oh, oh, nice. Nice. Sorry, that just reminded me. <laughs> <laughs> I have seen concept art of Baxter Stockman, the human action figure. Uh, it's not nearly as cool as a fly one though. It's just like a regular guy, right? Well, I think yeah. I think we're I think we're eventually gonna get a human Baxter in the in the new NECA toy line. Um, they they haven't announced it yet, but uh, I think we're getting to a point where they're gonna they're gonna do that as a kind of like a they're just gonna take the pieces and re, uh, from the fly Baxter and reuse them, just do new head, feet, and hands. Okay. Yeah. I imagine they're gonna milk those '87 series and its characters and those people like for all that it's worth. Oh yeah, with the Nega figures. As much as I'd, you know, probably actually like impulsively buy a 2003 series Nega figure if they ever made one. <laughs> they, because uh, I, you know, whenever I see anything that's like 2003 series, I feel like I have to just pounce on it because I won't. Ever I mean, someone's got to buy it ever again. Exactly. Yeah, I feel like we're still like. Um five to six years away from like a big wave of that show coming back and action figures and everything. Well, I mean, I mean we're two, yes. we're two years from the 20th anniversary. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yes yeah. and no. I, Cause the thing is, is like, I love the show and like, it's, it's my favorite cartoon, but it's never reached the height of popularity as the 87 series. And, you know, toys aren't as big a deal for, I think from people like my age that grew up with that show as they are for like your generation, you guys definitely had a lot, a lot of action yeah. figure lines. Yeah. We didn't have the internet. Collecting. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> internet. I mean, and the, the PS2s. And we had, yeah, yeah, we had, we had video games, but they weren't like nowadays. Yeah. Back in my day, if you wanted to play video games, like the whole family had to agree to you playing Mario. Yeah. Cause you had to take over the TV. Yeah. Yeah. Spencer, we had a separate room in our house that was the computer room. Oh, look at you, Mr. Moneybags. <laughs> I also I mean, had a it was just like the corner of the living room, but still. <laughs> yeah. It was a it was a stable piece of furniture that we intentionally bought for the only purpose of having a computer on it. All right, look, I'm not that I'm not that young. All right. We had that too. All right. <laughs> I had like an old printer that you know would like take like five minutes to print one page all right like yeah. I, I'm, I'm not i'm not that young all right i know i don't remember 9 11 but i'm not <laughs> so right. young that i didn't have a computer room so punk frogs we already mentioned it earlier i love shredder's pink suit yep like, let's <laughs> let's see more of shredder in a pink suit or just a suit every single time i've seen shredder like in a suit business suit he looks pretty pretty slick like Shredder, well, it's not not necessarily a business suit. Remember, it's like it's more of a, more of a Miami Vice outfit. I mean, yeah, like it's it's very casual. Yes, uh, it's I mean, very eighties Florida. Yes, when I'm talking suit, and I guess I sound more, uh, you know, the the slick look is is definitely more mm. of like the IDW series after uh, Stockman uh, takes him off Burno Island and he gives gotcha. him the suit. He also ends up being the one I think in the 2003 series. It's just cool to see him out of the armor and looking like a normal person. Just He's a snappy it. dresser, like yeah. for a guy that wears gaudy metal shoulder pads. I wonder if like He's he. A real good dresser. I wonder if he programmed the holographic thing to do that. Like, how does it choose its clothes? Oh man, uh, it must just do it 
based on some algorithm because like he had no idea the punk frogs existed and it gave them all jimmy buffett costumes exactly so. like all those Hawaii, all those sick hawaiian shirts yeah so cool i mean yeah i love those hawaiian shirts i love the clothes they give the punk frogs oh yeah i, like the- I love i love the punk frogs man i wish i wish there was like a whole side series that was the punk frogs and they could cross over once yeah. annually for an episode or something <laughs> i think I- they're really cool they, I mean, yeah, and and they don't come back. I think I think just Rasputin comes back. Is Rasputin the one with the mace? Uh, no, Rasputin's the uh, bow and arrow one. I think. Ah, uh, my favorite one's the one with yeah, the mace. Yeah, Rasputin's, Rasputin's the bow and arrow. The mace, uh, the mace is Attila. Attila. All right, that's my Genghis favorite. Genghis has one. the axe, and Napoleon has the whip. Well, I know there's there's like Rasputin the Swamp Colossus or something in some episode. But there's uh, also Napoleon Bonifrog Colossus of the Swamps. Okay. They're also in the one with Leatherhead. Leatherhead Terror of the Swamp. Yeah. And then okay, so they're in Invasion of the Punk Frogs, Leatherhead Terror of the Swamp, Big Blug, Big Bug Blunder, Napoleon Bonifrog Colossus of the Swamps, Leonardo the Renaissance Turtle, and then Dirk Savage Mutant Hunter. Hmm. Uh, but only two of the frogs are in that last one. Um hmm. Yeah, like the frogs are the frogs are just super cool. Like, I don't know why. <laughs> they're 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 really dumb, <laughs> but for some mm-hmm. reason I love them. They've got that like dopey neck head thing going on, and yeah. those weird accents. That like, you can't yeah, quite they, play. they just yeah. they look so weird. Um, and so uh, so for the action figure, I only ever had Genghis Frog. Um, and I think they made Napoleon. Um, yeah, because Napoleon looks like a toad, or he looks, yeah, totally Napoleon different. looks, yeah, Napoleon doesn't look anything like, um, he does in the show, and Genghis Frog does. Um, but now NECA is finally making all of the turtle, like all, all of the frogs. Yeah. Uh, so it's gonna be two, two packs, which is cool, like to have these characters finally, like in an action figure. Um, but I personally like the way Napoleon looked as an action figure. I always wanted that one. Yeah, he looks really tough and cool. Yeah, yeah. and it's it's, it's funny because like Genghis is kind of the main frog, I guess, out of the four of them. Like Attila, I don't think really says anything. Napoleon has his moments. Um, it's mostly Rasputin and Genghis. So yeah, I don't know. It's, so it's funny, like in twenty in the twenty twelve show when um napoleon is the main frog and they just go for like a napoleon dynamite thing instead of the parody and yeah instead instead of like being named after one of shredder's heroes they just went for napoleon dynamite mm-hmm. it's been a yeah. long time since i've seen that movie i need to I need to watch that again i know right i'm worried to rewatch it you know i'm worried that it's not going to be as funny as when i was like a young teen <laughs> <laughs> however old i was when i first saw it you know you know how you sometimes worry about revisiting some of those yeah. things from your childhood because you're like i might just might ruin it uh thing i learned i mean was i that- feel like we're kind of doing it right now yeah <laughs> yeah sorry it doesn't help that i'm i can be pretty critical sometimes um one of the things i learned is that the okey swamp is a real place oh really mm-hmm. the swamp they're from the swamp they're from it is uh half it's 
in Florida, but it's mostly in Georgia. Hmm. So like only only like a little bit is in actual Florida. Well, that's a little bit where the punk frogs were. So. That must have been the little part. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I like I like that this episode kind of confirms that Bebop and Rocksteady did time uh, before they became mutants. Uh, because when the end of the episode, when it takes place at Stonewall Prison, um, Rocksteady, Rocksteady's like, hey, I did time there. Yeah, that is a cool. Um, and yeah, so it's kind of cool to like have that, like a little bit of their history fleshed out. Yeah, that they were kind of, you know, bad thugs before they were ever a mutant rhinoceros yeah. and a mutant. Because we knew, we knew, we knew they were punks, but like, it, it was kind of cool to hear that. Yeah. I think this was my favorite of the, of the three. Oh yeah, like I I knew going into this, like w- rewatching these, this was going to be my favorite just because of how much I loved this episode when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah, and there's is very little like other than the one thing we talked about with uh with you know April having access to the information. Like the plot is pretty solid, but not as crazy as a lot of the other ones have been. Like they they actually it's a pretty decent episode. It's pretty good. It, it yeah, is like, weird when you have a, a show with a giant man frog in a Hawaiian shirt with a battle axe, and you'd be like, it's not that crazy. It's pretty yeah. good. I mean, I mean, <laughs> I guess I've been inoculized, uh, you know, inoculated. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm looking for, inoculated since, uh, you know, watching this show. There's a lot of things that, like, I know that I complained about in, con- in general <laughs> about this show that I'm now just numb to now right. this far in. Yeah, it's just what I expect from the show. It's like, all right, yeah, this is this is the way it is. Yep. Just along for the ride now. Yeah. So one of my favorite things about Splinter No More is I really love it when they humanize Splinter. Like, and so I really like that he's got depression because I know that you talked about it not really building up to it, and there's not really any signs of it before. But I don't know. Or I, really I view- after. Sorry. Yeah. No, you're good. But I, I view this as like a very this is such an episodic show. Like I just view it as like, you know, it's almost like just one individual story. There could be any amount of time in between this episode and the last episode. We don't know what's really come before in the timeline. Yeah. So it doesn't really bug me that much. Yeah. Uh, Cause there's, you know, hardly ever any real continuing arc or character development in it. If any at all. And well, so. Story- stories like this are why I prefer. Hamato Yoshi being a human turned into Splinter than like mm-hmm. a rat turning into Splinter. Yeah, like it gives it gives him a much better arc mm-hmm. and he's infinitely more interesting. Yeah, there's much more story potential there than a regular rat that happened to learn karate from watching his master turning into a, a human. Yeah. yeah. Not to not to bring up Rise, but I really love how Rise handles Splinter being depressed. <laughs> Yeah, so like, I, I've been catching up. I'm not through all right. yet. So. All right, you'll 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 get there. But it's like <laughs> when it when it hits you when it, when you finally find out why you're like, oh man, like. Mm-hmm. But that was a two season buildup. Yeah. So like com- taking that and comparing it to this, that's why like it really felt like it came out of nowhere and it's never really brought up again. Yeah, but the thing is, like Splinter's always just like this really perfect character, and so I like yeah. it when you have moments where you see his humanity and how like how he's not perfect and how he can have problems too. Yeah. And so that, like, I want really Splinter to be a there. character. Like, mm-hmm. that's why like, I like this episode, but yeah. out of the three, it is my least favorite. 
Oh, this was my favorite one. I felt like it was the it was the strongest one for me. But maybe that's just for me being uh that's fine. Yeah. But you know, and then I also kind of like how you have the subplot of the turtles worrying about Splinter. Uh you know, leaving. Like, you know, what is this what what effect is this going to have on us? I like that they immediately place the fun concept. I like that they immediately go back to calling him uh Yoshi. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought that was a little weird, but yeah, it, I thought, it, was. I thought it, it, it seemed a little uncomfortable for them. Yeah. But I think that, like, I like how they came across that they didn't necessarily like doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, I mean, it is also kind of just a weird concept to be like, when you're a rat, we call you Splinter, but when you're, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it's like, and then, but but then it goes back, like, as soon when he turns back into a rat, they just go back to calling him Splinter. Yeah, it, it's like. Uh, you know, like Phineas and Ferb with like Perry the platypus. He takes off the hat and he's like a platypus. Then he puts it on Perry the platypus. Like, yep. <laughs> Perry the platypus. Yeah, it's like the same. I don't know. It's the thing of when he's this, he's this person. When he's this, mm. he's that person. And yep. we can't tell a difference between the two or they can't be the same. <laughs> it's just funny. I really like uh, the idea that Shredder is dabbling in the occult in this episode. He's like trying to find this ancient book with a curse yeah. so he can open a, a subway portal. Like, that's really cool because up until this point, you just kind of been calling and whining at Krang to send him, you know, yeah, mutagen and of... robots and crap. And now he's he's doing his own thing. He's dabbling in the dark arts, which I always appreciate. You yeah, know, yeah, like more more of that, please. Yeah. So you hear that, kids? Go to your local library to learn about the occult today. <laughs> right. <laughs> the occult section. <laughs> the occult and, section. And tell them the Ninja Turtle Power Hour sent you. Right. Tell the Ninja yes. Turtle Power Hour sent you. <laughs> Just find it hilarious that, yeah, he's able to go to like a, his local library and check out a book on uh, opening up portals to other dimensions. And it works. <laughs> yeah. Library is very useful. It's oh, not, yeah. not used enough. Salt the books in your local <laughs> library. Don't take, don't take the, you know, you can't find that crap on the internet. Not the legit stuff, anyway. Go to your library. Yeah. yeah. The real stuff is on paper. Guys, uh, how have we gone this long and not talked about Krang's shower outfit? (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad you brought that up. Oh, man. It's amazing. The the whole robot has a towel wrapped around its waist. It's got soap on a rope from Mm -hmm. its neck. It's got a shower cap on. It's amazing. I love that the that the action figure from NECA uh, comes with those. I know. <laughs> almost makes me want it. I'm not a big Krang fan, but I almost want it just for that, just to display them like that. Oh, that's so pretty incredible. What, what's amazing about it too is you know there's got to be like reference sheets out there that are like Krang in shower outfit and like all oh yeah all the angles and stuff and oh man someone had to approve all that. Yeah, it's so ridiculous. I love it. Someone was having fun. Yeah, yeah, really. You got me trying to f- go find that model sheet now. <laughs> <laughs> so if we've t- we're done talking about everything we love, should we get into our news? Yeah, let's do it. This is April O'Neil of Channel 6. Uh, something I missed last week that I should have included in our episode, and it's because I'm way behind on the IDW comics, <laughs> is Jenica 2 number 4 came out. February 3rd, uh, so last Wednesday, uh, if you're listening to this concurrently. Uh, another thing that is going to be coming out next week, though, that I'm ahead of the curve on, that's because it's how I keep up with the comic books, is IDW Collection Volume 12 is coming out February 9th. 
So that oh, is goodness. exciting stuff. Oh, I only have up to nine. Uh, <laughs> 12 already? Yeah. We're getting really... I'm finally almost at City at War. I've been waiting oh, to read this for uh, a year now? <laughs> Over City a year? Of, that's only like issue 50. Wow. No, 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 that's City Fall. Oh. You're thinking of City Fall. Oh, yeah, Fall I'm thinking that. City I mean, Fall. that City Fall's before. Yeah, City well. Saturday. No, City of, Wall, City, uh, City of War is like 90 something. Yeah, City at War is 90 to 100. Got it. So I'm, I'm pretty excited for that. And the final thing that I know of is Secret of the Ooze soundtrack on vinyl. It's going to be released by Waxworks on February 5th. Yeah. So by the time you guys are listening to this, it's already out. Artworks by Kevin Eastman. And I, I hope and I pray that it's just one big vinyl disc of Ninja Rap on a loop. <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of any actual music from secret of the Ooze. i was having that problem too like when i was like, thinking about it i could only come up with the first movie soundtrack I, yeah. was, I was trying to think of anything specific outside of vanilla I can't, ice i can't even think of i can't even think of like musical tracks like yeah you know like shredder suite from the first movie um the you know the this is what we don't 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 yeah. like um i can't i can't even think of like i can't even hear music in the scenes even like in my head it's so weird i was having that issue too i i think probably the best solution is to go and watch the movie again right sounds now like it sounds like it we should probably <laughs> talk about it seeing it's gonna be 30 years old this year yeah oh, god no we'll, we'll definitely be covering it on the week it turns 30 well, well, we'll cover it like a week or well, no, we'll, we'll watch it and talk about it about like a week earlier, but it'll be out for the listeners. Yeah. What for the week yeah, it turns yeah. 30. A little, little behind the scenes guy for you guys, you know, so you know our yeah. process. A little inside baseball. Yeah, this isn't live. And, you know, I hope no one is delusioned, <laughs> you know, disillusioned yeah. by me saying that. Record this podcast. We're temporarily, temporarily displaced. Yeah. Just like Baxter. That's what makes like keeping up with the news so hard. Well, that's all the news I've got. So that means that's all the news there is. Yeah. Well, then we will close out our show, letting you know that next week we'll be covering Tales of the TMNT numbers three, five, and six. Please like and share and leave reviews and follow us on our podcast as well as on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. You can find us at Ninja Turtle PH. Or just look up Ninja Turtle Power Hour. You might be able to find us. We're so glad that you guys are listening. Thank you so much. I'm excited for next week. We're doing like the Tales from New York. Yeah. That's why three, five, and six. Sounds a little weird, but they they happen in the same timeline. No, I've never read them, so I'm I'm excited. Yeah, Tales tales are all out of chronological order in Mm. in their publishing because they can happen whenever. Yeah, Tales. Yeah. Yeah. They're also great. Spoiler alert, but... (laughs) <laughs> so if you guys also want to treat this as a read-along podcast and watch along read along yeah come in with your own homework all right until next week cowbunga dudes cowabunga blast the mayor's not gonna like this